Well, hey, Door Creek, how are you doing today? It's good to be together and a special welcome to any of you who are, are coming here. It's a baptism weekend, and so maybe you've got family or friend who's getting baptized today, and we're really glad to see you and welcome you. It's always a great day to celebrate with those whose lives have been changed by God's grace and who uh, say to us, family and friends, that my desire is to live for Jesus from this day forward. So it's a good day. It's a great day to be together. Last weekend was a great day in the life of our church, and uh, over 1,600 bags were collected for our Big Serve, which is our very first compassion project, which is part of the Rooted Initiatives that cover the next two years. So 1,600 bags doing a lot of good to the families at our four partner schools, Shank, Mendota, Westside, and Eagle Point up into Forest. So thanks for all of you bagging those groceries, getting them here. The, uh, the community development team says they, they estimate about twenty-three dollars to $25,000 worth of food was donated to these families. And I just got this note that I want to pass on from the principal at Mendota Elementary. First, let me say again, thanks to the members of Door Creek Church for the d- tremendous outpouring of support for our Mendota families. I'm still in awe of the amount of food we have for our families. Thank you. I wish you could have seen the smile on our families' faces as they picked up their meal bags. Priceless. So North Campus, great job. Chapel, great job. And all of you in here, great job being part of a big serve that's doing a lot of good and encouraging families and uh, the kids of the partner schools that we love to, to serve with. So we're coming to the end of Rooted in terms of a teaching series. And Rooted has been built off of this great word of prophecy that God gives through the prophet Isaiah. So why don't we just kind of go back to that verse and repeat it together as you see it on the screen. In the days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. Isaiah 27.6. So this is a picture, a word of prophecy about God's people, Jacob and Israel. Same guy who's the father of the 12 tribes. So he's saying, in the days to come, the people of God are gonna take root. They're gonna spread out and fill the whole world with fruit. And this fruit is all about the grace and love and truth and beauty of Christ and all about what God is doing in this world. And so today, we want to talk about being rooted in God's mission. Before we get into our our teaching today out of Matthew 28, let's just kind of go back. For, For some of us, we've been talking about rooted for months as leaders, as a staff, but for a lot of us, it's just like it's new. So let's just go back to these things. And if you didn't pick up a brochure yet, grab one on the way out. So rooted's all about going deeper in Christ and reaching further for him. It's about being grounded for good, grounded in Christ for the good of the world. Our hope is that Rooted will shape not only our teaching on the weekend and our small groups, but it'll have everything to do with how we serve families, your kids, your students. We want everything and everyone going deeper in Christ and everything we do pointing to Jesus so that we're grounded in Christ for the good of the world. So here's what we're praying about in the coming two years as we kind of turn the page on a new chapter in our church's history. We're praying that all of us together who are part of Door Creek Church, 
would actually make a spiritual growth plan that's your plan as you listen to God and ask the question, Lord, where do you want me to grow to be more like Jesus? And that we actually look back and say, God, by your grace, I am growing to be more like your son. We're praying for our marriages to be rooted and grounded in Christ, to find hope and strength in him. We're praying that our faith would be real and make a difference where we work and where we play and where we study in our neighborhoods. We're praying that there'd be family and friends that come to know Jesus as we pray for them and serve them. We're praying that there'd be hundreds of families that we'd have an opportunity to serve as uh, we expand our sports ministry to reach more and more kids right here in the community. We're praying that God would lead us to the right facility for North Campus and that he'd bless our plans to establish a new multi-site on the north side of Madison. And we're praying that we'd be known for a church that's doing good, a church that's committed to the cause of justice, a church that loves doing mercy, a church that is generous and willing to share and whose, contagious, whose generosity is just that, contagious. That's what we're praying about in the days to come. We're praying too for our initiative that has to do with training and helping you and I grow deeper in Christ. And so in addition to the good things that we're doing on the weekends and in our groups, we plan to offer more resources to strengthen you if you're married, your family, your marriage, to offer resources like classes and forums, retreats, to have some resources that come online that whenever and wherever you're at in your journey, you, you have access to things that'll help you take the next step as a follower of Christ. We're excited to develop training structures and systems for our leaders, for interns, and for what we're calling ministry residents. We wanna be grounded in Christ for the good of the world. And so we're excited about the Compassion Projects. We're excited that each month we'll focus on a Compassion Project, just like we have this month with the Big Serve. So we have 12 partners, six of them are local. We have four local schools. Then we're partnering with teachers, adopt a teacher. A lot of our groups do that. We also have big brothers and big sisters, an opportunity for us to come alongside and mentor one of the young students in our community. We have two national partnerships, one in South Dakota, and in South Dakota we're partnering with um, Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and the Red Cloud School there. Down in New Orleans, Urban Impact, who's serving the inner city there in New Orleans. And then we have four partnerships that are global, international. We are working with Vision Trust in the schools in Monrovia, with World Relief in Mozambique, with Great Commission Church in Honduras, where one of our trips is going this summer, and the Mission of Hope in Haiti, where our high school students will be serving this July. We're excited about being grounded in Christ for the good of the world. Those compassion projects are gonna do a lot of good. We're excited about the sports ministry and to see ourselves serving more and more families and children through sports. We're excited about the new sites, a new facility for North Campus where we have control of it 24-7 throughout the week, a greater presence in the community to show not only our commitment for that community but a greater opportunity to serve the people up north. And then for an opportunity for us to plant something new 
on the north side where we've been with this resale ministry called Boomerangs for the last seven and a half years to take the next step of actually planting a loving community that loves on the neighbors in the north side and focusing in especially on the kids there and their families. And then of course we're committed to reducing our debt a million dollars through Rooted which will save us almost that much over the course of the 15 year loan so that frees up more money for ministry and changing lives. And so as we've been catching up with these initiatives, catching up with this idea of being a people, a person, a marriage, couple, a, a family who's going deeper to be more like Christ and to have more effect for Christ in this world, we're, we're calling the church to two kind of simple responses. The one is to make a spiritual growth plan that flows out of what you sense God saying to you relative to the question, Lord, where do you want me to grow to be more like your son? So I don't know if you notice, but if you take out your bulletin today, you'll notice on the uh, sermon notes, if you open it up, there it is, the personal growth plan. So if you lost track of it in your brochure, here's another one. This isn't gonna do you any good if it stays empty. This isn't gonna do any good if you throw it out or turn it into a paper airplane. But man, if you start asking God this question, filling it out and making a plan, I guarantee you, you're gonna be surprised at all the things that God does in your life and through your life. And so we want you to make a spiritual growth plan. We want you to think about how it is I'm gonna grow deeper and who it is that God wants me to just lean into and to pursue as I join him in this world. Three people that God has in your life. You may not even know their names right now, but people that God's asking you to move towards them with the grace and the kindness of Jesus Christ. The other thing we're asking people to do, it's part of growing as a Christ follower, is to commit financially. So for those of you who are guests, this, is, this isn't for you. This is for the people who called Door Creek home. But that we commit financially above and beyond our regular giving. Or for some of us, that we actually get in the game and start experiencing the joy of trusting God with what is already his, our resources, financial resources, to invest it in God's purposes and mission in this world and to watch God work in our life as we grow our faith in a very, very important area. So we're still taking those pledge cards and a week after Easter, we'll tell you where we're at. There should be pledge cards in the back of the seats. So if you haven't filled one out, do so. And if you do so, put a star on the upper right-hand corner if you're going to pursue a spiritual growth plan. And if you've turned in a card and haven't had a chance to star it, do that today as well so we know who you are, can pray for you, and encourage you as you seek to go deeper with Christ. So, our rooted initiatives. And RD and I have been teaching through the principles biblically that surround and, in a sense, uh, lie beneath this concept of being grounded for good. And so, already had us turn to John 15, where we talked about being rooted in Christ and his word. The next week, we looked at Romans 12, rooted in a loving community. We looked at being rooted in God's grace, in the gospel, in a faith that works out in a life filled with good works. Last week, we looked at being rooted in justice and mercy, and today then, God's mission. So when you think about God's mission, it has everything to do with Jesus, because he's at the heart 
of God's mission. The cross is the centerpiece of God's mission and his resurrection, which we will celebrate as a church next weekend. Jesus came to earth because of God's mission. Jesus came to earth to do God's mission. Jesus came to earth to accomplish God's mission and hand that off to us as that mission moves from the cross to fulfillment when he comes and makes all things right. God's mission and the church's mission to go and make disciples is one and the same. Colossians 1 tells us what God is about in this world. And Colossians 1 verse 20 actually gives us a one verse summary of the whole storyline of the Bible in which all of our individual stories actually fit. Here's what Colossians 1, 19 and 20 say. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It's a reference to Christ here in this passage. And through him, Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. That's how we're reconciled. That's how things are made right. Through Christ's blood shed on the cross. So here's how I like to put it. You can see it up on the screen. God's mission is to restore, or we could say to reconcile, to make right, to unite all things in heaven and on earth to himself through Christ for God's glory, for his honor, and for the good of the world that he sent his son to die for. That's God's mission. And so all that's been twisted, all that's been marred and stained and blemished and bent because of our rebellion against God, all that is under the curse, God in his mission is straightening. He's restoring. He's reconciling. He's uniting these things to himself through Christ. And so Jesus, in a sense, before he left, passed the baton. He says, I've done my part. The mission's been accomplished, but now you keep it going until I return because the whole world has not yet come to know me as their Savior and their Lord. And so Jesus gave these words that we often call the Great Commission, the church's mission, and this is what we're to be rooted in as the people of God. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So at the heart of it, there's a command. At the beginning, though, there's this statement of fact. If we got our grammar down, it's an indicative. The commands are often, almost always, predicated on a statement of fact, an indicative. And the, and the commands of God almost always have behind them veiled the promises of God in disguise. But here, it's not in disguise. We have a statement of fact that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There's a command. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them. And then there's the promise. It's not veiled. It's not hidden. The promise. And, and wherever you go, as you go and make disciples, you need to know this. 
that I am going to be with you to the very end of the age. And so we look at the indicative, that statement of fact of all authority, not some authority, not most authority, but all authority being given to Jesus by the Father. His death and resurrection proved that he is the promised king, but his death and resurrection is not where he received his authority. He came with authority. He did life with authority. Wherever he goes and whatever he does demonstrates his authority. And so we see his authority as his words brought healing. We see his authority as his words cast out demons. He had authority over the demonic realm and powers. He had authority over sickness. He had authority over death, over over creation when he calms the sea, right? He has authority to forgive sin and he has authority to call people into relationship with himself when he says, hey, come follow me, follow me. His authority is inclusive. There isn't anything that gets a pass. He didn't have authority over that. Over all things, he has authority. And the fact of his authority over all things gives us great confidence that he is the king over all things, over all people. And when he calls us to go and make disciples, we can have confidence that we are going with this one, Jesus Christ, who has all authority and he's the one who's calling people to himself and we have confidence then as we pursue this great commission to go and make disciples. Now, the command is clear and you could think the command is go, you could think the command is is baptize, you could think the command is teach, but actually there's only one main verb here in verse 19, and it's this word, make disciples. The disciple is a follower. Make followers of Jesus, who by God's grace through faith are now in this relationship with Jesus. They're following him. They listen to him. They understand what he's saying and they follow through. They obey. That's what a follower does. And that follower points others to Jesus as they share and live out the gospel. The three words, going and baptizing and teaching, actually help us understand what's required, what's involved as we go and make disciples of all nations. So first, going. Wherever we go, that's what we're doing. We're pointing people to Jesus, and that includes the nations. We don't ever want to forget that God calls us to love our neighbor, but he calls us also to reach the nations. So I got a picture I want to show you quick. I love this picture because I remember so well a couple of summers ago, Butch and I going down to Kenya where we visited the people in Turkana, Africa, in in Turkana, Kenya, a people group that was decimated by drought. They were a a minority tribe in the country, and they were just kind of left out of all kinds of aid and help. And being decimated by drought, they had nothing. And so we've been partnering with World Relief, who's been helping them dig wells so they could plant gardens and alongside of those gardens, they planted churches. And I have a picture of all these different little snapshots of the people of Turkana in my office at home to remind me 
God's love for the nations. And I'll never forget being there in that little thatched house where we crowded in some 50, 60 people. And when they started singing, it was like, it was like the beginning of the fourth quarter at Camp Randall. It was a big jump around. And uh, it was like, who could, and that, that was the joy they had as they were worshiping God. And, and, I, and I remember the nations. And Jesus tells us to go and have a heart that he has for the nations. God's mission has always been for the world. So he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill the earth with his image as they were image and we are image bearers of God. He told Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, Abe, so that through your family, all the families, all the families, all the people groups of the world will be blessed. He commanded Israel to be a light to the nations. God's love for the world was such that he sent his one and only son into this world to die for you and me. It's necessary if we're going to make disciples of all the nations to go. And this is where history's going. It's a beautiful paint, picture that's painted in Revelation 7, chap, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. So this is a picture of the end of the story, of the end of history. And I want you, you to note what it says about the nations. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb is this image of Christ, the perfect sacrifice of God. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is where history's going. This is God's mission. This is the church's great commission. And Jesus knew very well that it would be easier to stay than to go. Because what happens in the first chapters of the book of Acts, after Jesus is ascended into heaven, is they're all hunkered down in their holy huddle, loving life in Jerusalem. And what was not to love about it? Thousands of people were becoming followers of Jesus. But it took persecution. When Stephen is martyred, and, and then the church is persecuted. God brought persecution to get the church back on mission, scattering with the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the utter ends of the earth. So it's just good to remember, going isn't natural. Staying is. It's good to remember that going isn't always going to be convenient. It requires sacrifice as it did for our Lord. Going means we're committed to the peoples of this world. Going means we can go with confidence that he has authority over all things and over all people, over any and every situation and person that we would ever encounter. And going is always tied to the promise, wherever you go, I'm gonna be there with you, even to the very end of the road. So going is all about making disciples. Whether we go, whether we pray, whether we give, we want to have hearts that are like God's hearts, that care about the people of Turkana, that care about the, the people that we're going to be serving in Mozambique and in Honduras and Haiti, 
to care about the world that's right here at our doorstep. Then there's this whole idea of baptizing and that's what this weekend's all about. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's something to catch up with. The concept of a follower of Christ that's unbaptized is like inconceivable in the New Testament. If you're a follower of Christ, like the first thing you do is you get baptized. When the Ethiopian eunuch figures out who Jesus is and he sees some water, the first thing he says to Philip, hey, what prevents me from right now getting baptized right here? And Philip said, well, sorry, man, you got to take a whole bunch of classes. <laughs> he said, let's do it. You trust Christ, you put your faith in Christ, you get baptized. Baptism has been always for even different religions like this initiation rite. And so it's, it's about initiation, but it's about identification that my faith is in the one who came and went into the grave in the water and came to new life, resurrection, and I am now identifying with Christ and his church, and I'm going to live like Jesus, giving my life up for others. I'm gonna die to living for myself, and I'm gonna be raised to living life for him, a new life. And it's all about that pledge of being his faithful follower by his grace until he comes or calls us home. He calls us to baptize people in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching has everything to do with making disciples. Making disciples isn't just telling them, hey, Jesus came as the perfect Son of God who lived a perfect life to die as the perfect sacrifice for you and me, and all you need to do is trust him, which is true. All you need to do is place all of your faith in Christ. And good, we're done. Now I'm gonna go tell somebody else that. Now, now we have a responsibility to raise this person up to become more and more like Christ. And that's the journey we're on, church, becoming more and more like Jesus. So if you're here and you don't know about Jesus, you're not a Christ follower, man, we're, we're very much in process. I'm very much in process. And that's the journey. And, and how we grow is we grow by learning and learning about Jesus and what he's taught and what he's commanded. And that means we need to know God's word. And we need to remember the cheat sheet that Jesus has given us when life gets confusing. To remember that all his commands kind of get real simple. To love God with all we have, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love my neighbor as I love myself. And by the way, Jesus says, just to complicate things, that your enemy is your neighbor. She's your neighbor. Okay, that kind of covers everything and everyone. That's what we're on about as we're teaching people to obey all that Jesus commanded. Followers of Christ do just that. They follow his teachings. They join him on mission. And as people come to faith, they baptize those women and men and children as they move on in their new life with Christ. So that leaves us with the promise. And the promise is beautiful. It allays our fears as we go into hard places, as we confront opposition, because God's kingdom going forward has always experienced opposition. Christ was crucified by people who opposed him, not people who were just mistaken. They wanted him out of the picture. And so it's a, a fantastic promise to remember. As we... Go now on this journey of joining God in this world, of being a Christ follower, that he promises to go with us. 
This is awesome. His spirit is now in us that helps us to live and love like Jesus. This promise isn't anything new. God promised the same thing to Moses and later to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31. And the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So Jesus' marching orders to us, his followers, is he has all authority over all things. And we're called to make disciples of all nations. And because he has all authorities, that strengthens our our mission with Christ. And we're told that we're to teach them to obey all things, everything that Jesus commanded us to do. And we're to remember that at all times, Jesus promises to be with us as we join him in this world. All authority, all nations, all things at all times. So let's look at a couple implications and then a few things as we bring it home. Making disciples starts at home. So moms and dads, that's our first goal. If God has blessed us with children, that's our goal is to shepherd their hearts so that they know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. That is our number one goal. It's not to get them a full ride to UW. It's, it's not that they get a, 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 um, a high-paying job. It's not that they live in a certain zip code. It's that they would love Jesus with all their heart. And our commitment as a church is to come around you parents. Some of you are doing it on your own. Some of you are doing it together. Either way, it's hard. It's not the church's job, it's the parents' job. But we come alongside as part of Rooted, as part of the training initiatives to help you better understand how do I shepherd this little child's heart? Not just shape their behavior, but shepherd their heart to know and love and serve God. It's good to also remember that God hasn't called us to do something that he hasn't equipped us with the necessary resources. And so he's called us to make disciples and what he's given us is himself. So we're joining him and he's the one that does what we can't do. As we point people and witness for Christ, we understand we're just following God's lead in this world, joining him in making disciples. There's this book I've been working through, not quite finished, but it's a good book. Joining Jesus on his mission, Greg Fink. Here's some of the things that he says. It's really helpful here. The mission does not depend on us because it's Jesus who's doing the work of fundamentally changing people's hearts, right? He's the one, as he puts it, who's messing with people's lives. He's creating desires in their hearts for deeper longings. Jesus is the one who's opening people up to the possibility of trusting him. Jesus is the one who's, in a sense, ripening people, getting people ready to believe. And here's more good news, he says. Most people in our culture may not be interested in church, but what they are longing for is right in the sweet spot of what biblical Christianity offers. He says, for example, people take note when someone's willing to sacrifice on behalf of others. That could happen at school this week. It could happen in the workplace. It could happen with your neighbor. 
People appreciate the opportunity to work through, to sort through spiritual issues and questions with a person who humbly and honestly without manipulating things interacts in a dialogue. People are intrigued by someone who exhibits grace and wisdom. They're looking for authentic love, joy, peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit. They cheer redemptive action. They long for authentic community. So Jesus has done the hard work. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He was raised on the third day from the dead. And he's the one doing the supernatural work. And he's asking us to join him. And here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to love people, to actually enjoy people, and to seek and recognize and respond to what Jesus is doing in the people that he's placed in our life, the people that he sends us to serve. This is something that I kind of totally like flunked yesterday. So yesterday I got my hair cut. Well, actually a couple hairs. And... Um, so I, I go to the same place, and this gal I've gotten to know, she cuts my hair, and I've gotten to know a little bit of her story. I know about her parents' divorce and the breakup of her family and kind of an estrangement with dad. And so we were just chit-chatting. I asked her about her new apartment, how it was working out, not working out well, trying to move closer to my sister. And then I told her about, well, we just were up in Minnesota for a couple of days skiing with the kids over spring break. And I said, didn't your brother live in Minnesota? And she says, you know, I'm really not sure where my brother lives. And I just kept going. And so we're, we're talking some more. And I said, hey, what are your plans for Easter? Because I knew she grew up in the church, not really going to church. What are your plans for Easter? I don't have a chance. We're kind of looking for a place to go to church. I said, just come to Door Creek. So I start listing the times, and I'm telling her, it's not that long of a service. It's an hour. It's not going to hurt you. The music is really good. The message is going to be okay. Saying all these things, right? And then, you know, so then it's done. How does it look in the back? How does it look in the front? Pay, put the tip on it, and walk out of the door. It's just kind of feeling like that just didn't happen. Mark, that didn't happen. And, you know, what hit me was, there's nothing wrong with inviting this person to an Easter service at Door Creek. It's a great thing. It just wasn't the, it wasn't where she's itching. She wasn't just looking for a service. Pretty sure she probably won't go to a service. But as, if, I, if I was just kind of putting together what I know about her story, what I'm hearing about her story, I'm going, oh, I, I had an opportunity to say a lot about Jesus and about what we receive through Christ and his grace of community and of hope, of reconciliation, of security. Because there's so much about, and I have no idea that I'm reading it right at all. But as I'm just listening, I'm realizing I missed an opportunity. Not the first time. But the good thing is I got to get my hair cut again next month. <laughs> Keep the conversation. See what I'm saying? So, it, you know, she didn't need an invite to church. She needed to hear me bear witness to Jesus and the difference he's making in my life and what he brings and what he promises and to, and to point her to what I believe is the only source of her deepest longings at this young period in her life. I wasn't connecting the dots. So let's be rooted in God's mission until we draw our last breath. 
Let's be committed to making devoted followers of Christ. To grow our hearts for the nation, not just our neighbor. Let's join God each day and live like Jesus. My life for yours. And let us pray and look to serve and listen for and look for the opportunities to share our faith with the people that God has placed in our life. And let's be wise to know if they're just taking another step or if they're ready to take a step of placing their whole life in Jesus' hands. Let's pray. So Father God, for chasing us down by your grace, for reminding us the reason you haven't returned is because your desire is that no one would perish. And so out of your patience and mercy and compassion for us, you have delayed your return. And Lord, we pray that we'd be on mission with you and that we would grow more and more to be devoted followers of Christ. And we would pray this day for those who are following in baptism today, this would be a line in the sand that would accelerate their growth as, as Christ followers. And Lord, as a church that rooted would accelerate our growth as followers of Christ and our, our, our ability, Lord, to come alongside of you in this world and see lives transformed, our city renewed, and a world changed by your grace for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.